Hello and welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. Today, we are welcoming a very prominent member from our weight loss surgery community, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are so excited to talk to you. We love your Instagram. We love the tribe concept. We just love everything about what you do. And we are stoked to be diving into a topic that all three of us, I think, are very passionate about, which is, of course, finding success after weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. And you are one of the experts of the community who does that. And I think what makes you such a powerful human is that not only are you a dietitian, so you're an expert in all things, nutrition, metabolic wellness, but you have also had bariatric surgery. Yep. I've done it all. <laughs> You've done it all, right? Which makes yep. it so, it's so powerful because we can go to you and you know exactly what we're experiencing kind of on all levels, emotional, the physical, you know, the, the nutrition. And because you have lived it, you have this insight that other dietitians don't necessarily have. It's a, it's a gift really, I think in the, in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the things is I always say, like, I fully practice what I preach and I would never ask one of my clients or one of my people to do something that I myself am not doing and practicing. And I feel um, really good about that because I know wholeheartedly that that's true. Yes, definitely. So before we kind of really dive into this conversation, we would love for you to maybe to just give listeners and watchers and followers just a very brief like intro, you know, for, for you. So when did you have your bariatric surgery? Maybe how much weight have you lost? Just kind of some, you know, some, some real quick intros for you. Sure. So I had VSG in December of 2017, which was rough because all of December and early January, I was on my liquid diet. So holidays were tough that year. Oh, yes. Um, so I was a little over three years ago. At my highest recorded weight, I was about 270 pounds, although I'm pretty sure I was closer to 290. I'm 5'4", so I'm on the shorter side. Um, I lost a total of 112 pounds within that first year. And then I've actually put on about 15 to 20 pounds, which I've been very open about talking on my Instagram page about the fact that staying at your lowest weight is almost always unattainable for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also about the intentional weight I've gained through building muscle, metabolic wellness. Um, I do CrossFit now. I never thought I'd say those words, um, really building up my strength. So that's something that I talk about a lot on my page, but overall I've maintained about somewhere between 90 and 95 pounds of my overall weight loss. And Um, I'm feeling, I I feel stronger now than ever, which is amazing. It is amazing. And it definitely shows it's, it's not confidence. That's not the right word, but you know, when people just have their ish together, you can tell, right. It's just so it's this, the whole package, right? I have my ish together. I'm not sure about that. It's along the lines of the act as if situation you act as if you have your ish together so we all go with you have your ish together and that yes yes that's something that only comes when everything's clicking on all cylinders with the weight loss and the diet and everything and even if you do like you said you gain that 15 pounds back but it's really you know we we've discovered along our journeys as well is it's not really about that number it's about how you feel your body and if you feel like you're the strongest you've ever been then that 15 pounds does is, is inconsequential Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, and you know, and, and for me, I guess when I look at people who have, when, when I see somebody, I'm like, they got their ish together. They, they know what they want to accomplish, 
but they also know that they might not have all the right answers. And when they come to a point where, oh my gosh, I don't know how to, you know, move past or through this, they go to people, they seek out that answer, right? So having your ish together means I don't know everything, but I at least know somebody who might be able to help me, right? And we're and we're honest mm. about when we come to these places where it's like, oh, I don't have what I need. So I need to pause, I need to rest, I need to reflect, I need to learn, I need to grow. And you do that, you know, on I, what you share publicly. And I think those pauses that you're talking about, like, or what you're describing is getting to that next milestone or that next level. Every mm-hmm. time I come up on a new struggle in this journey, I'm like, what do I need right now? And once I realize what I need, I realize other people need it too. So it's really helped yeah. me expand what I do as a dietitian in this community because I'm like, and what the, the population, like within the weight loss surgery community that I found needed the most support and wasn't getting it were those who were two and three years post-op or mm-hmm. further out. Because after that first year, year and a half, two years, it's like your bariatric center is like, okay, see you next year for blood work. And, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I, I need help. Like I'm not losing weight the same way, or I've gained a little bit back, or I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for this, or I wasn't prepared to be able to eat more. Now I don't know what to do. Like there's a yeah. lot of confusion about what to do, like nutrition diet wise, and just really how to t- tackle those next phases. So I feel like once I figured out, overcome whatever hurdle I'm going through, again, I do have a bit of an advantage because I have my entire career, like behind this, this is my background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, okay, if I'm struggling to figure this out, or I'm struggling to figure out what to do diet wise at this point, other people certainly are too. Hey guys, it's April. If you've been following us for a while, you know that my favorite hot beverage is Retreat Drinks Hot Cacao. I love it because it's made with four simple organic ingredients, cacao, coconut cream, maple, and Himalayan salt. That's it. It is decadent and creamy and just hits the spot when I need something sweet. And the best part about it, it's not going to break my macro bank. If you want to give it a try, visit their website, retreatdrinks.com, and use the code east to west to get 20% off your first order. Yes. Yeah, that's well, that's definitely a lot of what April and I get as far as messages and things go. It is largely from people. You know, we, we get the, the common answers like, oh, I hit a stall. I'm six months out. I'm not losing. But we get a large majority of people that are two, three, you know, one, two, three, four, five years out. And they're like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm in a spiral. I've put 40 pounds back on. Is there any way I can get it? Back? Like, can I get back on track? Is it even possible? And you know, they're just at a loss because they feel the same way you did. They kind of feel put out to pasture. Like they were just like, hey, you did it. You won. Bye. And they just kind of kick them out and say, all right, we'll see you later. And they just and, don't know how to even go about getting started again. And I think what you're talking about happens so often. There are so many people within my membership. We have like a regain. So we have two regain support groups. Actually, we have many members who have gained 40, 50, 60, 70 plus pounds back. And part of the problem is there is so much shame around that. There is so much scrutiny. It's like, well, you're a bad patient. Of course you gained your weight back or you didn't do this right. Of course you gained it back. There's so mm-hmm. much negativity, not only by just the general public who doesn't always believe in weight loss surgery anyways. A lot of times we're criticized in general or we always have that one person who's like, oh, my great aunt so-and-so had surgery and she gained all her weight back. And it's like, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but maybe we should look at why we're gaining weight back. Mm-hmm. Tools it's just a tool and we need other tools to help us, but also we need to stop shaming each other within the community. It's like, well, I didn't gain my weight back. Mm-hmm. And I think making other people feel like 
they failed is the worst thing that you can do. And I always tell all of my clients and even anyone following me on my page, like you've only failed when you've completely given up and stopped. If you're still putting effort and even if you've gained every single pound back, and let me tell you, there are people in my membership who are in that position and we were all there like, nope, you got this. Like you're still here. Like you've gained every pound back. So what? Let's keep going. And as mm-hmm. long as you're still willing to put in the work and keep going, keep fighting for yourself. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the number says. You have not failed. We, uh, one of our favorite graphics to share is uh, a quote that I heard from my therapist and it's, it's not failure. It's feedback. Right. And if we, right. And if we take what we're experiencing and we really think about feedback, then we can use that in a way that's different from failure. Right. Because exactly as what you said, as long as we're trying, you know, and, and I always, we, Jason, I say this to people too, when they, when they pop into our DMS or they come to a, a a live or whatever, they interact with us and they say, Oh my gosh, I, I just feel like a failure. And I just haven't done anything, you know, to, to make this right. And it's like, well, you came today or you reached out, Like clearly this is still something that's in the forefront of your mind and you want to tackle it. So that's an indicator that you have not given up. It's an indicator that you are still working to figure this out and you want to figure this out. Uh, So. And my biggest thing is that I want to figure this out. It's kind of what I call like the spinning hamster wheel. It's like, you're racking mm -hmm. your brains trying to figure this out. Like, do I go back to basics? Do I do a pouch reset? Do I just Mm -hmm. do protein? Like, do I go on like a keto? Like everyone try. And the problem is a lot of people just don't have the education or the tools. That's mm-hmm. where I'm such a huge, huge advocate for proper nutrition education, because mm-hmm. all too often we're given a couple of sessions, whether they're group or individual before surgery with here, hit your protein, hit your water. Here you go. You're yeah. not told why you're not told. Like it's almost to me, like when you're not properly educated, it it really makes me angry because it's almost like they're not giving you the benefit of the doubt that you will use that education, or it's almost implying that I I hate the stigma, but that bariatric patients or morbidly obese people are somehow stupid. And it's Mm -hmm. like, they won't understand, just tell them to eat the protein because we're not going to explain it to them. It's, Mm -hmm. it's disrespectful Mm -hmm. to me. And I feel so passionately about giving people very in-depth nutrition advice, not to make it complicated, but I'll give you the complicated like nitty gritties of how nutrition works. And I'll make it so you can understand it because once you understand it, you have, once you understand like this does this, this does that, it's up to you to make a choice and you can't feel empowered by your decisions and feel confident in your decisions. If you're not even given the opportunity to make a choice, there's a difference between choosing what to eat and being told what to eat. Right. Well, and the, and the biggest difference is with that is People get so down on themselves, like just because we had surgery, all of a sudden we've become dietitians and we know what's going to work and make it all happen for ourselves. And we forget along the, along the path that we, that we travel, that we don't know any more now than we did before. We just know what we were doing after, you know, post-op and then eventually somewhere along the line, we veered from the path, but we don't know how to get back. Just like we didn't know if we would have known well, how to get back before we had surgery, we, would have, we wouldn't have needed surgery in the first place. And I, so I think that's the, a really important point, but like the key part of what I just heard, like you say, is like get back. And the post-op diet, the really restrictive post-op, mostly protein, super, super low carb, low calorie, like <clears throat> hit your protein in your water. And like that restrictive diet is temporary and no one tells you that it's temporary no human being medically supervised throughout weight loss surgery or not is meant to live on that type of diet so when everyone's trying to get back on track they're trying to go backwards 
they're two, three, four, five years out and they're trying to go back to what they were eating at six months post-op. It does not work. That will not work. We can't go back to what we were doing. We have to move forward and have better insights of what to do now with our tool at this point or how to make our plates well-rounded to keep us full now. Because eating, if you try and eat three ounces of protein at every meal, three, four meals a day, like tiny meals, and you're four years out, guess what? You're going to be starving. And then you're going to probably be binging at night because you're like, mm -hmm. and, then, and then you're like, why can't I do this? Why am I mm -hmm. a failure? Mm -hmm. And it's not that you're a failure. It's that um, it, it just doesn't make sense to go back to something that no longer works. Yeah. No. And, and you guys bring up such a great point is that, you know, you go into surgery or, you know, you come out of surgery really with no different a knowledge Right. I mean, like everybody goes through like the pre-op nutrition and all this kind of stuff, but really it's very surface level. And most of it, you kind of already know. Right. So really nothing has changed except that you have had major surgery, but your, your understanding of nutrition, of macros, of, of what the body needs, of, of metabolic wellness, of all this stuff has not changed. You're not, you're really not using and, any new information. And one of the <laughs> potential problems with this is and what I see a lot in the bariatric community or just on Instagram in general is, and I, I, I mean, like preface this by saying, I truly believe everyone wants to help and do good, but you mm -hmm. don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. just because something worked for you or has worked for you or has worked for you thus far. And I say thus far, because we don't know what that, what your life's going to look like a year or two from now, not yeah. saying like you're going to feel, but this super crazy diet might work right now, but what happens if you go off of it? And mm -hmm. the problem is when we are giving advice that when we're not qualified to give it, we only know so much and we only, and you might think, wow, this is everything. I know everything, but there's so many implications to that, which is why I always tell people, mostly on Instagram, like one of my things I say is like, let your influencers influence you and inspire you and motivate you, but do not let them give you a meal plan because unless they have the credentials, do not let them give you a meal plan because while they want to help and give you the same guidance that they've been given because it's worked for them and it's truly from a good place, that might not be what you need. And that might just set you further from your goals. Well, and that's why April and I make it a point to, to let everybody know that our, our advice is strictly from our perspective and we yeah. come to the experts for the expert advice. That's why we have people like you on. That's why we have doctors and we have, you know, we, we go to the experts because April and I just don't know. Like we, know what, we, we know what worked for us to a point. And at that point, once the training wheels came off, we're like, no, now we need to go back to the professionals. Of and experience you know, you know. is so important. Like being able to share your experience firsthand as a bariatric patient, mm -hmm. credentialed or not, doesn't matter. Like you offer so much to so many people and so do so many others in this community. Um, and I think that we need each other and each other's, you know, experience and guidance to get through. Mm -hmm. But just because it works for you and, or it's your routine, doesn't mean it's going to work for mm -hmm. someone else. And that's something that even as a dietitian, like I, I always try and give people the best advice or be the best resource I can be to steer them in the right direction but I still can't give personalized advice in DMs. If people message me and say, Jamie, I'm six months post-op and I'm struggling with this. How many calories should I eat? Or I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, you should probably, you have to talk to your dietitian. I cannot give you individualized advice like that. And this is what I say, any person, if you go to anyone else's DMs and they give you personalized advice, you better run because mm -hmm. no person anywhere, dietitian, mm -hmm. surgeon or not, should be giving you recommendations, meal plans, macros, anything of that sort, of that sort of individualized advice in a DM. 
that mm-hmm. is so wildly inappropriate. And that's a signal. Like if you go to someone and say, Hey, like I'm this far out, how much should I eat? And they're like, Oh, when I was this far, I ate this. So you should eat this. Yeah. No, <laughs> like that's not. No. And again, it's wanting to be helpful. It's wanting to give your insight, but that doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. Correct. And that's, we, we have people and, and, and I know that you do too, right? Everybody's always asking us those very specific questions and we basically have a canned response. What has your surgeon said? Have you reached out to your nutritionist? You know, it's like, I mean, it's, it's wonderful we're that we're not doctors, right? And, and we are here to share our own experience. And, and I, I'm always torn. Like last night I made a, I made my husband and I a delicious steak salad meal. It was phenomenal. It was so good. Oh my God. So good. I love right? But I took a picture of, of this platter that was filled. That was a huge giant meal. And people were like, Oh my God, you ate that much. And I was like, Oh my God. Don't no. get me started. <laughs> I did not eat. I did not eat this much. I ate I seven because it was pretty. I took the big exactly because it was pretty, right? But it's but like April. If you did eat that much, if you did, who cares? Who has who has the right to judge you? Oh my god, that I know. If you want to get me? I know. I know. I know. Well, and, and it's so interesting that we're talking about this because I really did have this aha moment a couple weeks or months ago. But somebody made a very um, insightful post about why are we judging? how much people are eating. That was what happened to us before surgery. And 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 what it really came down to is like, okay, but we don't have the same stomach. We don't, we're not the same person. We're not the same metabolism and DNA. I share what I eat to inspire people to maybe think differently about the foods that they can enjoy after surgery. But I'm not going to, you know, don't look at this and say, well, I should be eating this month, six months out, because that's just simply not true. And it really was like a, Oh my God, you know, kind of a a light bulb moment for me, because I want to let people know that after surgery, after you have recovered, right. And you're kind of feeling your new normal, nothing should be off the table. You should be eating a rainbow of, of whole foods. And I think people think that like they're eating life or like what they're going to consume after surgery is so different from, you know, from what they did before. And it's like, well, I guess, yeah, I'm not eating, you know, two fish au fillets. I'm not eating a half a thing of pizza. I'm not having, you know, I'm not eating those old foods, but what I am eating is very nutritious and and things are very different. So I guess I want to be able to show that. But then when people are like, oh my God, you ate that much. I just want to be like, oh my God. And that right there makes me, so I don't know if you saw, I kind of had like a temper tantrum on Instagram a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I made it. I don't know if you saw it. I made it. Oh, of, maybe it was uh, yours that inspired me. Probably. Like I, <laughs> um, I, I did it like a TikTok video of a bariatric meal plate for um, breakfast. And I had, I have these very small, not that it matters, but like they're small app plates. They're mm. five and a half or six inches in diameter. Like they're small, but my, I like, okay, let's make half our plate protein. I have half of it egg. I have a quarter of it broccoli. The last quarter I have some banana with a little peanut butter on top. And this person, like, I don't know if you know on TikTok, you can like react to things, like watch it, like, and like react to it. And this girl within the bariatric community was like making really appalling faces at it. Like, like, like you're eating that, like freaking out at everything I put on my plate. And then the whole thread underneath was, oh my God, like that's not bariatric. Who could eat that much? Like I could never eat that much. Like and I'm like, I eat that much and I have surgery. And also you're insulting my credentials right now. Cause this is very appropriate for weight loss surgery. Anyways, I went on like a temper, t- <laughs> like every once in a while, like Jamie comes out in full force and Good. tough love, man, um, tough love. And I'm usually very like careful, like with the way I say things. And I try just to approach things 
like very gently. And I came on my stories, I was like, what the F? Like, I was just like, people were like, yes, like someone said it because we should not be judging what other people are able to eat. And the, the thing that, and let me just say all this also, if you are someone who is full after two bites, if you are someone who's four years out and genuinely has that type of restriction, I'm not judging you either. You should eat for what works for you. But to, I, I don't appreciate when people are like, well, I'm three years out and I only eat three ounces. And it's like, good for you. Like, I don't, I don't appreciate that I'm better or I'm a better bariatric patient somehow, or I'm doing this better than you are because mm -hmm. I eat less and validating yourself with how little you eat is not necessarily a successful bariatric patient. That's an eating disorder. And right. we are not reverse, meant yeah, to eat, disorder. right. We are not meant to eat those small portions forever. And one of the, I had a wonderful bariatric dietitian at my center. We actually went to the same school and I knew her very well. Um, but she told me, and she, I was fortunate enough that she prepared me for this because not everyone gets this knowledge, but she's like the first year out from surgery, you're probably going to be able to eat or the first six months, like four to six ounces of food. After that, you might be able to eat up to a cup. And then after the first year and a half, you should be able to eat eight to 12 ounces of food. And she's like, you will be able to eat more as you should. And she said, she's like, Jamie, if you only ever ate four ounces of food for the rest of your life, you would starve to death. Mm -hmm. And my own surgeon has told me this too. She's told me, she's like the only, she's like, when I have people who are X amount of years out and are still eating like they were right out of surgery, she's like, usually they have very severe disordered eating. And a lot of times we have to put them on tube feeds because you're not getting the nourishment that you need. Well, so and I'm that could be, and that's another reason that who needs small portions further yeah. up. But as time goes on, if we don't properly nourish ourselves, we will become malnourished. We need to be able to eat more to sustain our, like we are, very occupations or not, we are human beings with functioning bodies that need to move and go do things. We need our muscle mass. We need these nutrients. There should not be shame in being hungry and eating. And one of the things I see most often is when hunger comes back, everyone kind of freaks out. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I'm hungry again. Like yeah. I did this all for nothing. Like I'm going to just, I'm never full. And what I tell them is hunger cues are supposed to come back. And I can talk about that whole mechanism if you want me to, but you should be able to feel hunger again. And that's a good sign. That's a sign that your body is working and protecting you and doing the things that it should. Now yeah. let's bulk up our meals in different ways to satisfy yeah. that hunger. Because if we ignore that hunger, what we're doing is going back to before surgery with that restrictive nature to try and under eat to lose weight, which ultimately leads to disordered eating and potentially binge eating or emotional eating. Well, and that's like, it's funny that you mentioned it that way, because we're all going to the bariatric retreat in November. And I'm already, I was thinking about it the other night, I was getting kind of anxiety for that. And it's months and months away, because I already know that I can eat more than most of everybody that I know in the community. I just, I have, I just have never had that restriction where I had to only, you know, now I don't go out there and eat like I used to eat before, you know, I, I can't do all that. But, you know, I can, I can eat a six ounce steak and have broccoli and have some stuff like, and it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Like I can do that. And it's never been a big deal. But I'm sitting there thinking about it and I'm like, we're going to be out here in front of all these people. And, you know, we have our platform like we do and people are going to be looking at me like, how the hell can you sit there and tell me what I, you know, talk to me about what I'm supposed to be doing and look at you, look at how you're doing. Can I comment? Yeah. Yes. I would really, really encourage you 
when you go to this to eat as you normally would without fear of what others are thinking because everyone else there is going to be not everyone else I can't generalize like that but a lot of people are going to be feeling the same way and potentially intentionally under eating because they know they're around bariatric patients they know they shouldn't be eating more I would encourage you to lead by example and eat what you need to to be full and demonstrate that this is normal bariatric eating especially because you have this platform so hiding from it or trying to say like I'm not going to eat this or trying to be on your best behavior (laughs) my best Um, bariatric behavior (laughs) and I can tell you firsthand and this is not like a secret like if you go on my Instagram page and you go through highlights and you go to my weight loss surgery meetup highlights um not bariatric retreat but in the past and I've been in this community for a handful of years now there's been a lot of local weight loss surgery meetups which are just hey guys we're all gonna meet here grab a hotel room if you want like it's it's way less formal it's like Hmm. we're gonna go out to this club or this bar and I'll be honest with you going to those meetups is the best thing ever because Mm -hmm. one you find your best friends you get to have a night out everyone lives their best lives but we're not on our best behavior we bring chips to the hotel room we and I'm not saying I'm an advocate for just eating like junk food all the time but I did, not life. Surg- I did not have the surgery to live on a diet the rest of my life. I lived on this. I decided to have the surgery to improve my habits, have all things in moderation and live my best life, which living my best life doesn't mean just going on eating junk food all the time. That means getting up and going to CrossFit and having a great routine. But it also means if I want to go out for a week and have snacks and mozzarella sticks with my friends once in a while, guess what? I'm going to do that because if I didn't do that ever, I would be deprived of me doing other disordered things. And that's not okay. You need to learn to have these things when the time is right. If you are someone watching this and you're like six months out from surgery, three months out from surgery, I'm not really speaking to you right now because you have a a bigger task at hand by following the post-op diet for at least a year to a year and a half or until you're in phase. You have recovery. You have recovery first. Yes. Right. Right. And one of the things I always say is you can't get better in the same environment that made you sick so go after surgery that post-op diet is absolutely there for a reason yeah uh uh-huh um oh my god dude you know you can't getting out of surgery and i i have a lot of tough love segments like on my page and there was one that i did last year where i was like guys we got to talk about this i love you all but if you are six weeks post-op do not message me and ask me what kind of birthday cake you can have for your birthday next week the answer is none. I love <laughs> you and I'm so happy that it's your birthday, but we got to find other ways to celebrate. Like cake cannot be on your radar. We mm-hmm. cannot just have healthier versions or smaller versions of the same foods because guess what? Let's say we make you a low carb, low sugar, high protein birthday cake. Sure, it's bariatric friendly, but it's not teaching you new habits. You're mm-hmm. just going to choose that bariatric cake every time. We mm-hmm. need to remove those trigger foods for a while. And then once you're at a place emotionally, mentally, physically, where you are able to slowly integrate foods back into your diet. I strongly encourage that. Like Mm -hmm. I said, at some point, I want you living it up, living your best life, eating mozzarella sticks with your friends, but that is something to do in moderation when you are able to do it. And some people do have trigger foods that they never really can reintroduce and that's okay too. But it's about taking on this new journey, figuring out what works for you nutritionally and get your routine under your belt, hit your goals. And then once you're in a more maintenance phase, start to add foods back in and not go back to that all or nothing. Oh my God. Well, thank you for coming to, to our Ted talk. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I just, I, 
I just want to like, I'm just like falling out of the chair because I'm like, oh yes, finally, yes. This is been it's so okay. Uh, a couple things before we we're we're already like 30 minutes into this conversation. I'm like, oh my god. I could talk about oh, all day. Dude. Okay. Well, first off, Jason, that is what we call an education, a teachable moment. People need to know that they do not, and they should not compare what you are eating in a healthy quantity for you to what I eat for a healthy quantity to you. I'm going to trust that you are a good bariatric patient and you are going to eat nutritionally for your needs and your body. And that's going to look different for me. So maybe this is something that we just need to start sharing more publicly on our own platform, because that is uber important. Number two, absolutely. Our tagline is we support this community with humor, humility, and honesty. We want to laugh and have a good time. We want to be honest about our experiences, but we need to be humble enough to know that we are not the experts. So we reach out to experts, which is why Jamie is with us today, because we can only talk about our own personal experience, but we have to rely on the experts to do that. Yeah. And dude, and Jamie, it is exactly what you said, right? We can't do what we did after surgery, before surgery, otherwise nothing is going to change. But we have to acknowledge that there is a period of recovery where everything does need to be different, where we really do need to think about everything on a different level. But once we get to that place where we have developed these new habits, we have this understanding, right? Living our best life does look like me going out to a brewery and having a, a, a cider. It's eating mozzarella sticks every now and then. It's doing the things that I wanna do, but what's healthy is that I'm not doing those things every day. And I'm engaging with them in a way that is secret. No, I'm not doing it. It's a planned eating event. I'm planning with my friends to go out and have some cider and eat mozzarella sticks. That's a plan. That's not, oh my God, I'm doing it in secret. Oh my God, I'm doing this every day. I'm binge eating. No, 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 nope, nope, nope. That is living. My best life now is eating this healthy food that's nutritious for me 90% of the time. Yes, absolutely. I could not agree more. And and also, like, I know for myself, like, if I know I'm going to have a night out or I'm going to have what I call, I, I don't want to call it a tea or treat meal because there's no, for me anyway, no. it's no diet, there's mm-hmm. no on or off. But I Food is not contraband. Like, food is right. not contraband. Uh-huh. I, I like to call it like, a, like an unusual day of food because for me to have something like that is an unusual. It's not like the norm anymore. But if I know I'm going to do that, I'm, I know that, you know, leading up to that event, it's not an all or nothing cheat day. It's not let's just binge mm-hmm. all day long or have, you know, let's have all the things, right? It's going to be like, well, I'm going to have my normal routine, which is not meant to, let me also clarify, if I'm going to go out at night, I'm not going to overcompensate. I'm not going to overly restrict before, and I'm not going to overexercise or anything like that, but I will get up and have my normal exercise routine. I will have my normal breakfast and lunch. I will probably take some, like, I always have crystal light in my purse. Like I will, I will take my crystal light with me in my protein bar in my purse, just in case. But I do know that we're going to go out tonight and I probably will have a small glass of wine and whatever else everyone like nachos for an appetizer. I don't know. I will plan on that and I will have it and I will have a bit and I will move on. And the next day is back to my normal routine. The biggest thing, the the biggest thing I see is people just feeling so guilty for having those indulgences that they get hung up on it and then they feel like a failure. And then it leads to other poor choices. Whereas if you can intentionally choose to have that and own it, and have a bit until you're full and satisfied and move on. And the key to this is, is knowing, and this is one of the things I tell my clients all the time, because most of my clients struggle with this is, listen, guys, there is an abundance of food at your disposal at all times. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing technically that's off limits. You can have whatever you want, whenever you want. We don't have to wait to have cookies till Saturday night. We can have it on a Tuesday if we really, really want it. But mm-hmm. 
when we start to think this is my only chance to have this, I better have it all now. No, it's not like pack up your leftovers and have the other half tomorrow. People don't do that because they're like, I'm going to have this indulgent meal at dinner and then I'm going to have to eat it all today because tomorrow is back on track. Mm -hmm. Eat a couple bites till you're full and put it in the fridge and eat it all week if you want to. But that's, that's more healthy (laughs) than trying to eat it all and eat it out of shame. Versus if you just say, I'm going to have this because I want this and choose to do it. The next time you're faced with that decision, you honestly might not even want it because you had it yesterday. You know, if, yes. once you give yourself the respect to choose, it really, really changes the game. Well, and, and you'll also realize like April and I talk about this all the time, like the, the want for something is always stronger than once you get it, because you may want this, you know, whatever it is you're focusing on and like hyper-focused on, you like, you're going to have it. You got to like, that's, this is my cheat. I'm going to do this. And I like your shame and all that shit you're rolling through. When you eat it, you realize you're like, well, that was pretty, that was a fucking letdown. Like, yeah, I thought this yeah. was going to be the best things ever, but there's no fireworks. Like this wasn't like it was the first time I had it. Like, no, it's not. And you realize that, happened that to you, me. you jump, you know, you dove off the bandwagon to jump onto something else. And then you're like, well, this sucks. I want to get back where I was. And you turn right around and you put yourself back. And you know what that is? You just said the magic phrase. This is not how I remembered it. You know what that, you know what you need to instantly tell yourself? Oh, that's my, that's my food addiction. Oh, that's my food dependence. Because the fact that you're like, oh, I'm remembering this first time. You're trying to get back to that high. You're trying to get back to that food nirvana. Yeah, you're never going to do it. That's literally what addiction and dependence and tolerance is. That's your indication of, oh, I was using this for other than nutrition. That's it. That's how you know it. And that's that's a conversation that will lead you down a path of self-discovery. That's how you get away from that, uh, that dependence think, on food. Yeah. And I think to play devil's advocate here for a second, how you said like that's for more than just nourishment, like you're eating for more than just to like fuel yourself. And honestly, though, like, I think there's so much shame around the fat, like around emotional eating around eating for any reason other than to get like your nutrients met. And as a dietitian, I'm telling everyone, it's okay. We are human beings, we Mm -hmm. do emotionally eat. Eating is social eating, like a lot of people show food and love together, like cultural, there's so many different aspects of food that it can't ever be strictly for hunger. And I was actually, I have a small group coaching program. And in my small group, I work with six women in, in the same space. And we were talking about this because one of the girls in my group, we've been really diligent about building bariatric plates, like listening to your body. And it was after dinner and she was full and it was like two hours and she couldn't decide if she really was hungry for a snack or if she wanted a snack. And that's sometimes hard to decipher. And mm-hmm. it was more like, I, I want something sweet. Like I'm kind of hungry, but not super hungry. And she wasn't sure if she should have it. And I told her, you don't have to be ravenous to have a snack. I would so much rather you mm. have, even if you want something sweet. Okay. Maybe you're not super hungry. That's okay. I would rather you have something intentionally that you was well thought out that satisfies that bit of sweet tooth so that you can move on and go to bed versus mm-hmm. obsessing about not having it. And then it leads to something else later. Because it's yeah. okay to have a bite of something if you're not hungry. And we shame ourselves for that. It's like, oh, I wasn't hungry. I shouldn't have eaten that. And then it does the same all or nothing thing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not advocating mm-hmm. for just emotionally eating all the time or coping with food all the time. But if once in a while you're like, I just really want a bite of that, have a bite of that and move on with your life. We spend yeah. way too much time 
obsessing and thinking about food. And that right there is one of the things I'm a really big advocate about with my clients is one of the things I ask them when I, when I first meet them, I'm like, okay, like we're spending all this time obsessing about food, trying to plan our meals, constantly questioning ourselves, constantly feeling guilty for what we're eating or not eating. And I always ask them, what could you do with that time? If it wasn't spent mm-hmm. obsessing about food, what potential in your life could you reach if food wasn't holding you back? Because if you're spending half your day obsessing about food, that is so much energy wasted on something that we do not need to be wasting energy on. Oh, preach on. Oh man, I'm coming to your service every Sunday. <laughs> and, and people don't realize we, we take how strong those cravings are. And when you try to curve it with something that's, that's not what you initially want, you're going to, most times you wind up eating more than you would had you just had a little bit of what you initially want. Because you eat something else trying to fill that void, it's not working. Then you eat something else trying to think that that because the other one didn't work. Then you move on to something else. All the while, you're dodging what you really want when, you know, you're seven bites in on stuff you don't want if two or three bites of what you really wanted would have done the trick. And I always tell people, like, when we're talking, it's particularly about, like, junk food. I use that term in quotation marks, like, because I think all foods can fit after surgery. But if you want something, like, for me, I have a sweet tooth. I love some sweets and dessert and cook. my clients will tell you cookies are my favorite. I love cookies. I'm always talking about cookies. I don't eat them all the time because I have a system that works for me now. And I know having Oreos in my house is a trigger for me. And if they're in my house, I might eat the whole sleep. Like there's just no way around it, but I still need something sweet most evenings to feel satisfied and go to bed. And what I tell my clients and what has worked for me too, is I'll ask myself, okay, you can either have some of like the real deal, like you can have a cookie or an Oreo, but you have to have it moderately. Or if you want a little bit more of something, it has to be a replacement option. A replacement option is kind of what I was talking about with the cake before, but this is for later down the line, like a healthier, more bariatric appropriate version of something. So for me, usually what that is, is I love devotion nutrition products, um, which you can basically bake with them. So I'll make like a, it's basically protein powder that tastes like brownies or angel food cakes. So I'll maybe make a brownie batter waffle, which is essentially a scoop of protein with some water and a waffle iron <laughs> and some sugar-free maple syrup. And that right there create, like gives me that sweet chocolatey taste that I want. And I feel full and satisfied and happy that I had something that was a suitable replacement. And I always say suitable replacement because if you're craving chocolate or a cookie, yeah, I could have a cookie or I could have this replacement that is more aligned with my goals today. That's not good or bad, but more aligned with what I'm working towards. But sometimes you'll hear, and this does come from dietitians sometimes too, like, oh, well, if you're craving something sweet, have some fruit. And if I want an Oreo, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but an orange or strawberries is not going to cure that. <laughs> no, I'm it's not just gonna, not going like, to do it. <laughs> I love fruit. And sometimes I do want that. And sometimes that will curb whatever it is I'm wanting. But if I particularly want chocolate, I'm not eating an orange. <laughs> like yeah. I want something that's a better replacement. So that's something yeah. I talk through with my clients too. Like if you want something like that is a particular taste or texture. Don't like what you were saying before, Jason, like don't try and like satisfy that with something that's just not going to work because then you're just going to end up eating more anyways. Well, and, and what I have found has been actually one of the most powerful things that I've realized about myself is that if I have choices, I do better. And it, and it really goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation. It's the knowledge. It's understanding why things work the way that they do. 
gives me this, this knowledge base that I go, oh, wait a minute, I, I have some choices here. Whereas before surgery, I felt like I had no choice. I, I had no control over what I was eating or why I was eating or when I was eating. It was just, I'm in, I'm in pain, I'm suffering. There is no choice, right? This is the only way out of that. And now after surgery, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I have choices here. I can choose to eat an Oreo. I can choose to not eat an Oreo. I can choose to tell myself, well, not now, but later. I can choose to find a different option, right? Like all of these choices. It's like, oh, there's actually a lot of power in having that choice. But the reason I can make that choice is I have had this tool that gives me that little bit of space between something that has happened in my life and what I normally do to cope with it, which was food. Now, instead of having like, right, no space, there's this little bit of space. And it's in that space that I can go, hmm, I have a choice here so powerful right and what because- you're talking about I'm like smiling because that's what my my programs are based off of and I I preach my bariatric meal plate method um which I teach in my bariatric meal plate method which I use for both meals and snacks how to pair nutrients to maximize restriction feel fuller and satisfied longer and I do that by giving like a foods list that matches up with the portion on the plate and I include all, like my massive, like master, like foods list has all foods. Like there are cookies, there are pastries, there's, there's mm. all sorts of things on there. Mm. But in my program, I teach you the difference between simple and complex carbs, how they work in the body, how they react, how they, you know, can react like blood sugar wise, how mm. it does things with hormones. So it's like, you know, this type of carb might do this, this type of carb might do that. They're not good or bad. They're just different. It's up to you. Which one do you want? Which one is aligning with your goals today? Some days you're going to choose the apple, the complex card, because that'll be satisfying and aligned with your goals. And mm-hmm. some days you will choose the cookie and that's okay too. The, you want to make an educated, intentional choice and then move on. <laughs> Dude, the, the conversation that we had with Dr. Ortiz recently, because we, he introduced us this, this concept of metabolic wellness with Jason and I had never, we were like, what the, right? I mean, like mind blown. And when he spent 30 seconds explaining to us, well, here's what a complex carb does in your body. Here's what a simple carb does. This is why a complex carb is a better choice most of the time. Here's what's going to happen if you eat this. And it was just like, uh, I teach what? my clients also that, yeah. Oh my and God. I teach my clients also, like, if you are going to choose a simple carb, that's okay. Um, and in our community, I'm sure you've heard the term slider foods. Simple yeah. carbohydrates are slider foods. The reason mm-hmm. is they just are not as nutritionally dense. That does not mean they don't have nutritional value. I don't like that at all. All food has nutritional value, mm-hmm. but it's not going to keep us fuller longer. So when we have slider foods, cookies, pastries, crackers, even I love rice cakes, rice cakes, like popcorn, chips, any of those like snacky, crunchy type foods, mm-hmm. they are not going to keep you fuller longer because I like to, and I don't know how Dr. Ortiz explained it, but simple carbohydrates, are already in their most simple form. So there's not a lot to be digested. There's not a lot of fiber. There's not a lot of nutrients. They still have nutrients, but it's much less and it's Mm -hmm. in the most simple sugar form. So when you have an apple, for example, a complex carb, there's fiber, there's water, there's lots of nutrients. It takes the body longer to break it down and digest it. So the blood sugar release into your bloodstream is much, much slower. So you don't have these highs and lows of blood sugar crashes essentially, or the need for more of it. But when you have something like popcorn, 
And I always call popcorn pop. One of the things I see a lot of the time and a lot of my clients with Regan is popcorn seems to be a trigger. And I think it's because it's one of the very few foods after weight loss surgery where we can eat volume of it without repercussions. Mm -hmm. It is very easy to eat a full bag of popcorn because it, again, it doesn't have much to like, if you, if you picture popcorn, picture putting it in your mouth, it almost disintegrates in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Reason for that is when it comes to one of the reasons, but there's not a lot of fiber. There's not a lot of, um, nutrients to break down, but when we are digesting food, the digestive process, digestive process starts in your mouth for carbohydrates. So when you eat protein, the enzymes needed to break down protein are not activated till it's in your stomach. Those proteins happen in your stomach. We have enzymes in our saliva that break down carbs in our mouth. So they're already being digested before they even hit our stomach. A good example mm. of this is picture like veggie sticks or pirate's booty. You know, like those snacks that are like, mm-hmm. or like a Cheeto. Oh, yeah. It basically is gone in your mouth before it gets to your stomach. Of course we can eat the whole bag, but picture eating and chewing chicken. It's or very different. Yeah. yeah. It's very different. And it's, it's, it's not just because of the way the digestion works, but different foods work for different reasons. So slider foods, simple carbohydrates are what I call the bariatric loophole because we can eat a heck of a lot of them. And it's some, and for those of us who have food addictions and who like to eat in volume, that is very tempting. And it's, or sometimes, you know, you might eat your chicken and broccoli for dinner and you're stuffed up to here, but you can still fit in a cookie. You can't fit in another bite of protein, but you can mm-hmm. fit in a cookie. And that's because it's a slider food. So if we're going to eat slider foods, which I don't, I'm not one to tell you not to eat them. I eat them too, but let's eat them in a way more productive way by pairing other nutrients. So if with the simple carbohydrates, if we digest them quicker, cause there's not as much there, let's add more things there. So it might seem counterproductive to eat more, but okay, let's say this is a go-to. All right. You want popcorn. That's great. Let's measure out a cup or two of it. Cause a cup or two of popcorn is not a lot, even for a bariatric patient. Let's measure out a cup or two of it. You got less than hundred calories of popcorn. Let's pair that with a string cheese and maybe some cucumbers. Because guess what? <laughs> if because you even now- eat a string cheese, that's protein. And you have some veggies, or maybe you do like turkey cheese roll-ups and your popcorn. I would so much rather you add some dense protein to that to keep you full, maximize that restriction, and still enjoy your popcorn. <laughs> that is just one example of how I would do like a snack. And that might not be like a first thought of like a snack to people, but my, my rule of thumb is if you're going to have a slider food, you need to add at least one other nutrient to it, whether that's protein or fat, I prefer mm-hmm. protein. Um, and that kind of goes back to metabolic health too, which I can get into if you'd like me to, but mm-hmm. I want you to use your tool <laughs> and we can't use it if we're not having whole foods or, um, protein foods, that's, what's going to maximize that restriction. Hey guys, it's April. I don't know if you know this, but Gather Juice Company was our first podcast sponsor. And for good reason, they make some bomb ass juices. My absolute favorite is the Sunrise and the Pineapple Express. Night Vision and Goldilocks come in a real close third and fourth. I also very much enjoy their smoothies. Pina Colada, top of my list. If you live locally in the Tacoma area, swing by their 6th Avenue location and try it for yourself. You're going to be hooked. Big shout out to Gather Juice. Thank you for your sponsorship. 
Well, and the other interesting thing that came out of our conversation with Dr. Ortiz, which is what you're, I mean, what you're saying is exactly what, what he's saying. And that's because this is what, this is how the body operates and functions, but those carbs, no, not making it up. Right. (laughs) But those, but those simple carbs, it does things to our hormones. It kicks in ghrelin. It does all of these other things. And just by knowing that you can kind of run the science experiment yourself, right? So just eat yeah. a bunch of simple cards, and track how you feel, track track what's happening, you know, with you internally, and, and then go and eat a different meal and then eat a meal that combines both of those things and see what is actually serving you best, right? That's and, the key. And one of the things I want to really, really emphasize, em- I can never say that word right, emphasize. Yes. <laughs> emphasize, <laughs> emphasize. I want to emphasize this. Um, carbohydrates are not bad. If I want, I want everyone to work that into like their daily affirmations and mantras. Carbohydrates are not bad. Carbs do not cause us to gain weight. Carbs do not make us fat. What does cause us to gain weight and put weight on or stall weight loss is overeating, Mm -hmm. overeating anything, protein, fat, whatever. Overeating anything will cause weight gain. Guess what? It's a heck of a lot easier to overeat a bag of chips than it is to overeat a piece of chicken. And this is why in my meal plate method, I have a very like strategic way of adding carbohydrates in because I want you to eat them, but we are way more likely to overeat them. And we don't want to overeat anything on this journey because that's, what's going to stall our progress or cause us to go back to old habits. Yeah. My wife, my wife was getting on to me the other night. Cause I did, I, I popped a bag of popcorn for the first time. I don't know how long. And I did, I blew through the whole bag and she's like, she's like, should you even be doing that? Can you even do that? And I'm like, I mean, I did it. I was like, it's not, it's not, it's a not hard. And I shouldn't <laughs> do it every damn day. No, I was like, but it's not going to kill me that I did it today. Like this one time, is not going to kill me? But no, I should not make this a practice. Now. I should also say popcorn is relatively like healthy on the spectrum of things. Like popcorn is lower calorie. Um, it's technically a whole grain. Like popcorn is not a bad snack. Mm-hmm. But if you're like me and you like the smart food and you like the cheesy popcorn and eating a whole bag of that can add up and that is higher in fat too. Like I can, I can pile the popcorn away. So for me, if I'm going to have it, I have to have it strategically or I'd be eating a whole bag of popcorn every night. And if I eat a whole bag of popcorn every night, I'm back right back where I started. Instead, if I want popcorn, I'm better off having a bit of tuna or chicken salad first, even if it doesn't like pair like super nicely together, eat something with protein. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then have your popcorn yes well and again like somebody pointed out to me years ago that one cheeseburger didn't make you fat that one slice of pizza did not make you fat right that salad didn't make you lose weight either right exactly that one trip to the gym that one you know all these one things but we want to say that in our minds as a way to get us you know one of the things that I say is it's it's about what we do most of the time not some of the time and I would rather you be Mm -hmm consistently imperfect than inconsistently perfect because you can be perfect for one day and it makes no difference you can be like not perfect every day and have a little bit of like variance here or there and you're gonna be way better off because you're consistently doing the things that you need to be doing you can have listen you (laughs) you can you know be in a great routine and you can be going up and getting up and going to the gym and having well-rounded plates hitting your protein goals drinking your water kicking your vitamins and have a piece of whatever for dessert every night and still lose weight or still maintain your weight loss. But if we, let's say it's the the opposite, we have morning routine, we go to the gym, we drink our water, hit our goals, and we don't allow ourselves any sort of 
indulgence that night and we're going to try and like resist it and be perfect that might last a day or two and then you're all or nothing not doing any of it I would so much rather you do most of that most of the time than to try to achieve this perfect picture of health that you've made up in your head because social media has told you that's what it needs to be well and I I, we all three of us are the living examples of this right because last night uh I well yesterday we saw we had to help some friends with a little SOS situ or sitch in their life they ordered pizza I had a slice of pizza right and then when I went to bed last night I was like god I really just I need something sweet I had three little chocolate covered Easter, whatever. Right. I'm perfectly imperfect. Very many eggs. No, they were. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 Right. Those things. I'm not allowed to keep those. And that is a trigger for me. I don't keep those. Those, I know, (laughs) but this is, but this is such a great example. Now I used to eat a whole bag of those in one sitting. Right. And I have learned now I'm almost two months out I'm two years out of surgery. I have learned that I can have those in my house and I'm not going to go ham on them. If I went ham on them, they would not be in my house. See, but- I, I'll, I, I, I learned the hard way last year and I was two years out last year. Um, those are always like my favorite. And I had mm. a bag of Cadbury mini eggs and oh. I actually found myself in a situation where I ate at over two years out, ate so many of them, I threw up and I gave them to my husband. I said, throw these out. And that is a situation where I don't think I can have that moderately. So if I do have them, it has to be outside of my house or if I go to a friend's and I have a couple, because knowing that they are in my cabinet all day, that for me was, I learned was too triggering. And rather than beating myself up for that experience, because one day of overeating one thing is not going to deter your whole progress, but it made me take a step back and say, okay, Jamie, like maybe that was pushing ourselves a little too much. Like, and I, I did not pair them with anything else. And maybe if I had, perhaps that wouldn't have happened. But in that moment, I didn't even realize I was doing it until I was sick. So if those are the type of trigger foods that I'm using that myself as an example, certain trigger foods, I do recommend like just not keeping them in the house. Cause for me, like April, the fact that you were able to have three and like go to bed is amazing. I would be like three more, three more. Three months. <laughs> and, and, and the reason that I share that is twofold. It's like, I don't eat perfectly every day. Neither do you, neither does Jason. If somebody followed us around for 24 hours, they'd probably go, oh my God, I can't believe you're a bariatric patient. But this is the reality of the situation. That's why we need to have these conversations. I don't eat perfectly every single day. I don't do everything spot on. But what I do do is I I I acknowledge these things and I try and I I have trial and error and I figure out like oh I oh I really can't do that or oh I can do it this way this is this works for me and this this puts me in a place with food that is healthy for the rest of my life that's the key right we have to figure out what can I do for the rest of my life to maintain my healthy weight and my metabolic wellness because that's what this is all about Mm -hmm. and a lot of this that we're like talking about and like alluding to is just the idea of the mindset around this. And yes. I don't know if you hear or see my dog back there, but she uh-huh. has a new bone and she's slowly making her way into the picture. So I apologize. <laughs> she's being we loud. Love, we love seeing them. Uh, she's a, oh, she's going to get into trouble. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but every single one of my programs that I offer always starts with mindset. I don't even touch meal plates or touch food choices or dive into 
anything until my clients get down my mindset strategies. And a lot of them don't like that. A lot of them at first are very resistant to it. It's very challenging to look inward and to do my mindset prompts that I have. And a lot of them, when they sign on with me, they're like, I just want to get going. Like I want to do that. I want to get everything under control. I want to be good. And I really force all my people to slow down. And I'm like one thing at a time. We're not just going to revamp your whole diet. We're not just going to implement all these things. You're doing one thing at a time for a long time. And that's where they see the true change. At first, same every time. They don't usually believe me or they're like, this is, they're like, this is really uncomfortable. I'm like, good. It should be. That means that we're changing. And one of the things that I see most often, and I'm sure everyone's experienced this, like our bariatric centers for the most part, I mean, yeah, there might be like a psych evaluation, but they don't necessarily make you look inward and do the mindset work and work Mm. on affirmations, work on gratitudes, work through your limiting beliefs and do that consistently each day. And that right there is something that has been really impactful on my journey. And some of my clients have told me like, this has changed my life to be able to actually change the way I think. And that's Mm. what we have to do above all else, because we can work on our food intake all day long. We can work on you know, making the most beautiful plates and snacks and drinking our water and exercising. But if we're not in the right mindset or remembering our why, it's all just going to go out the window. Well, and change is not comfortable. That's what people need to, no. I mean, people need to understand. Like it's not going to no. be comfortable. It's going to suck, but that means change is happening. And that's beautiful because that's what we're after in this whole situation. And like April said, with the whole food thing yesterday, I helped my daughter move. So we were on the run all day long. Now, when I left in the morning, I made sure I packed my, you know, my little Gatorade Zero with my Miralax in it. I grabbed my protein shake and my water and I was out the door. I made that through. During the day, I had to come home and grab some tools. I ate a, pro- I ate a protein bar while I was here. I went back. We got everything wrapped up. Everybody was like, hey, we're going to run the Taco Bell. What do you want? I was like, good. I don't need anything. You guys have a ball. Have a good time. I came home and I had made turkey meatloaf and some stuff earlier in the week that I had done a meal prep of. I had that while everybody else was, you know, getting down on Taco Bell. That's fantastic because I knew that night my granddaughters wanted to have a pizza picnic and Pop Pop's bed and watch movies. So I wanted that more than I wanted, you know, hydrated water meat from Taco Bell. So <laughs> I I went ahead and did my, you know, I, I saved up for the pizza party. I had two and a half pieces of pizza. I called it good. And mm-hmm end of the day, you know, and between everything that I did, I still lost, I still lost weight. So. And I think it's also like realizing that not everything that you do is going to revolve around food. Like just describing that. I mean, I don't have daughters. I have to move into college or anything, but like on days that you're busy, right? Like if you're going to do something, you're helping a family member, you're going here, there in the past for me, it's like, oh, well, let's stop here and let's get this. And then it becomes about the food throughout the day. Or it's like, oh, let's get donuts on the way. Let's get, and I think it's so freeing to get to go out and just do things day to day and not be thinking about the food part or not be just looking forward to what you're eating in between all of this. Cause before, and you, who knows, maybe before looking like the Taco Bell would have been the highlight of some of this or getting oh, yeah. to go have that. Whereas yeah. now it's like not even a factor. And yeah. I think that, like for me anyways, personally, that has been so freeing to not just look forward to what the food is going to be that day. Oh my God. Isn't it? I mean, it's just, uh, people always ask me, what's the biggest change after surgery? Uh, food does not take up 90% of my mental capacity. I mean, it's just bizarre. It's amazing how much time you dedicate to food before surgery. And then after surgery, you're still dedicating time to food, but it's just shifting. It, 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 it's a different 
Well, and you can be so much more present in those situations. Yeah. Like even if it's a dinner yeah. where people are getting together over food to have dinner, you're not so hyper focused on all the shit that's around you or what you want to yeah. order or making sure that you get enough or you know, because my that's... biggest thing, like I've talked about this before, I'd look at a menu and I'd be sitting there contemplating with myself, like I don't think that's gonna be enough. And right? I can't order mm -hmm. two entrees, so I'm gonna have to figure out what I can do to maximize you know, what I get in because I don't want to leave here hungry and it like, and I'm missing the whole conversation and getting together with the people that I love and care about. And I don't have to and do that anymore. I can just be present in what's happening. One of the hardest things, this is something that I talk about a lot is navigating social situations after weight loss surgery. Um, some people who have had surgery in the last year, I know have, are only now having to deal with that because of like the pandemic. And this is something that I've been talking in my membership and with my clients a lot is, you know, traveling after weight loss surgery or going out to dinner or going to a party. And there's, there can sometimes almost be, especially in the beginning, like a little bit of sadness. And I think it's okay to grieve that old lifestyle or that old life. Yeah. Like I feel sad because I'm, it's, it's okay to feel that some people feel like they're like guilty for feeling that. But if you're going to a picnic and you feel sad because you can't indulge in other foods or you're not going even just physically, whether not even talking about what you're going to choose to eat, but physically you can't eat any of it. Um, it's okay to feel sad about that because that's what you used to look forward to. But I always try and tell people find new things to look forward to for myself. Like I've really had to shift my mindset to like, Oh, I can't wait to go spend time with these people. Or for me, it might sound silly, but one of my favorite things is to get dressed up, do my hair and makeup and feel really cute. So for me, like going out has nothing to do with the food anymore. I don't care what, what we're going out to eat. Right. It's like, Ooh, what do I get to wear? What yep. lipstick should I wear? Like that to me has become, cause that makes me feel good about myself. And rather than focusing on the food and potentially overeating and then not feeling good about myself, I would rather feel confident. And that to me means more than any of the food I could be eating anyways. Again, everyone's different. That's just how I feel about it. We, we talk about this all the time uh, on our podcast and, and at our meetups, how we really need to shift the focus of our, of our social events and these social connections, right? Food doesn't, food should not be the main thing. Like, I don't think we can ever get to the point where it's not like a part of it. But it's exactly what you said. It's like, well, okay, I can still enjoy the food, but the real thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing so-and-so, right? Or getting dressed up. For me, I love setting a beautiful tablescape with my dishes. That's joy to me, well, right? So it's not that, right? It's I not mean, that the food isn't the thing. It's that it's not the main, it's not the main dish. It's just the side dish or it's the appetizer, but right. it isn't the, and the. I, I do, I am really, really passionate about still being able to love food. Like I, I posted about this a few months ago and I had said like, I hope you love food. I hope you love your meals. I hope yeah. you enjoy everything you eat. And it's okay to have certain, like I am a total foodie. Most dietitians are FYI. Like I am a foodie through and through. Like I love some good food and that's okay. There's no shame in that. And and then the people I work with are really passionate about cooking or baking. And I want them to fuel that passion. And maybe it is doing it in a different way. Or for me, like you were saying, like setting the table, like I love charcuterie boards. I love me some cheese. I love some of the fancy meats and nuts. And those are all very, very appetite friendly anyways. But for me, it's therapeutic to put on this huge spread of like pretty meats and cheeses. And that, yes, it revolves around food, but it's also like the event of it. It's not well, just sitting there eating the whole thing out of the package. 
right? Your joy came from preparing it and making it look beautiful and thinking about how it's going to be displayed. Your joy did not come from necessarily eating it, right? I mean, yeah, there's joy there. Oh, it, I, I absolutely get what you're saying. I love fancy food. And I love the fact that now I have two or three bites of that fancy food and I am so satisfied. It was so delicious. It was nutritious and I'm done with it now, right? I mean, it's just, it's such a different mindset when it comes to how we engage like, with it. I'll, I'll give another example. If you guys follow me, you probably know I'm a bit Disney obsessed. Disney is like my thing. Yes, yes. Um, I love going to Disney World now more than ever. I still go out to eat when we're there and me and my husband will eat around the world when we're like when we're on our honeymoon last year we share it and I have a bite and I move on and when I go to Disney World I usually get some stuff for the hotel room and I drink my protein shake in the morning and I stay extra hydrated and I pack my own snacks in my bag so that I'm on track still 90% of the time still mm -hmm. have indulgences but the non-skill victory for myself like every time I go to Disney, I actually cry because I'm just so overwhelmed with the fact that I can walk all day long and not be tired and that I can fit into every single ride. And I don't have to worry about not being able to fit or have to worry about going to the gift shop and being able to buy like a sweatshirt because I want one that will fit. Like those are such non-scale victories that that is what's important to me. It's the experience and getting to do the things I love. Food is still there, like I said, and I still will have some real, like, Every time I go, I have to have a Mickey Mouse Rice Krispie bar. I don't eat the whole thing. I eat a bite or two because the whole thing will make me sick, but I'll eat a bite and move on. But it's not about the Rice Krispie bar. <laughs> Whereas yeah. before I would have been hyper fixated on that. It's about, holy crap, I just walked 12 miles around Epcot wow. today. Like yeah. that to me is a huge, huge thing. And it's about being able to do the things that we love. Food is there, but it's not all of it. Hey, it's April with East to West WLS. I don't know about you, but after I dropped a significant amount of weight, my body just didn't feel like my own and I needed help feeling like it was my own again. So I started receiving chiropractic care. If you live in the Tacoma area, I cannot recommend Grit City Cairo more. Dr. McKenzie is passionate about helping you feel, function, and live better. Check out her Instagram at Grit City Cairo or her website, gritcitychiropractic.com for more info and to book your first consultation. And if you mention East to West, you'll get a discount on your first visit. I feel amazing after seeing her, and I think you will too. Well, and I feel like some of those non-scale victories we take for granted the longer we are post-op because the more we're able to do, it just kind of goes under the radar because mm -hmm. like yesterday, I, normal. I loaded the majority of the truck that we moved my daughter in by myself when before mm -hmm. the past three times that I've had to, that we've moved anything, I've had to literally sit and watch people do it because I was too big to do it because I couldn't get five feet without losing my breath and dropping what I was carrying. And it just wasn't an option. So the and fact it's like that sitting on the sidelines of your own life. Well, it's right. Like and that's exactly right. And watching, you know, and I know, like I was making a joke about it, the people that I had asked to help me move were just a little bit late. And I was like, they probably don't want to show up because they're, they know they're going to have to come here and load this damn truck by themselves, but they haven't done anything with me since I've lost this weight right. helping wise. Yeah. And they don't realize that this shit's already done. Like there's only one piece of furniture that's literally too long for me to grab that I needed help loading in the truck. And that was it. And then I had wow. to, they helped me unload it all. At the that's apartment. amazing. But and you must them, feel so good, like just so proud to be able to do that. 
Right. And and this morning, the crazy thing is I woke up and I'm moving around the house and I have, I'm not sore at all. Literally there's zero soreness in my body whatsoever. And I was on my feet doing this stuff for 10 hours yesterday. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and that's very similar to how I feel like, um, this last summer I joined CrossFit, which was a huge thing for me. I never thought I would do that, but I've really fallen in love with it. And I go four days a week before that I, I loved running. And that was something that really played a huge role in the first like two years of my journey. But as I telling you now, like I, my journey has shifted and it's about feeling strong and confident. And even though I'm not at my lowest weight, I'm so much more confident and feeling good in my skin now than I was before. And, um, we did, I don't know if you guys have heard about like the CrossFit opens or the CrossFit games. It's basically mm-hmm. like worldwide. They do the same thing. Our, our center's doing it like intramurals. Like we're not competing, but we still did the workout. And last Friday was the first one. And I did not think I'd be able to do it. We were doing wall walks where basically you're in like a push-up position and then you walk your feet up the wall and you almost walk into like a handstand and walk back out that and lots of jump rope. And I didn't think I could do it. And guess who did wall walks? I did wall walks. <laughs> yes, girl. I was I did it up through like half of it. And then I had to switch to like the modify because it was like one wall walk, 10 jump rope, three wall walks. You did it. I was able to do up to nine in a row. And (laughs) when I tell you, I was sore, but I even like one of the coaches, he's like, yeah, you did it. You did a great job. I was like, me, (laughs) like the fact that I was able, and I've had moments during CrossFit classes where I almost feel like I'm going to cry because I can't believe I'm doing it or like I'm back squatting 185 pounds or I'm my favorite is the fact that I can do like box jumps like I can jump on the box like I'm like here I am doing all these things and one of the most insightful days was when I I've been building up my strength but when I was able to lift um I think it was like 120 pounds or something I was like that's or 110, whatever it was. I remember saying like, oh my God, that's what I've lost. Like, that's what I used to carry around every day or last, not last year, the year before, before COVID. Um, you guys know my friend, Nicole, Nicole losing. She's on Instagram a lot too, but, um, she's like my best friend. We did a Spartan race together, which was amazing. The fact that we did a Spartan race was so cool. And there was one part of the course where we had to carry these sandbags on our back and we had asked the guy, like the moderator, after we finished that part of the course, we're like, how much did those weigh? And he's like, 40 pounds. We're like, that was only 40 pounds. We both had lost over a hundred pounds. We're like, we used to carry like three times that amount every single day. And those are the moments on this journey, even though I'm further out now, where I still almost feel like I'm going to cry. Like, I can't believe that this is my reality now. And I don't, and unless you've been through something that transformative, it's hard to understand like how emotional those moments are. Like for someone who's never been through this, like doing a box jump, I'm sure is still really, really cool and really satisfying and amazing. But it's like, I couldn't walk upstairs before. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Well, and I think the other element that people who have never struggled with weight fail to understand is just how limiting excess weight can be. Right. So, so every human feels limited by, by some things in their life, right? That that's a mental game. But when you also have this, these physical limitations, I think it's even more amazing. It's even more inspiring. It's even, it's just a a different type of, of feeling when, when you are not only overcoming your physical limitations, but you're overcoming these mental limitations that, that have existed in your life for so long. When both of those things are kind of released, it's just, it's amazing. It's like the sky's the limit. And 
like, I know for me, especially when it comes to things like working out, it took me a long time to overcome that. Like I have like very like traumatic memories and I'm sure most of us do, but like of having to run the mile in high school, for example. Oh, yes. And like, I was always the last one in the rest of the class would be sitting there waiting for me. Or I have one very vivid memory of walking out the track at gym class. I was like 15 or 16, almost 300 pounds at that point. And I had my headphones in and a group of boys were behind me and they didn't know that the music wasn't on. They thought I couldn't hear them. And they were just like brutally making fun of me. <laughs> and then I had to go run this mile and it's like trying not to cry. Cause you're like, I don't want to know that I heard. And like, those are the things that like, here I am 28 years old. Like I shouldn't still be carrying that with me, but those things pop into my head when I'm doubting myself. And mm. those are the things that we have to overcome. Cause it's like, I, I'm not that almost 300 pound girl in high school anymore who was afraid to do things. Now I'm apparently the girl who dyes her hair pink and goes and box, jumps on boxes. Like, I don't know who I am, but I'm not her. <laughs> and I think like the confidence that comes along with this journey is yeah. really the, the piece that you, you can't compare it to anything. No, it, you absolutely cannot. It, it, it's such a, it's such a different feeling and experience, I think, for, for so many of us. And th those of you who know me well, you know, I'm not a religious person. I'm, uh, it's never been something that I have understood. It's, it just, it's, it's not, it's not something that, that's a part of me. But I finally feel like I understand the, the concept of religious faith, right? And just in, in being able to step away and trust the process and just know that this will work if I do the work. It's finally like, it's almost clicked for me now. And it's like, oh my God, I, I get it. It's so, it was so hard for me to have faith in the tool and to a hundred percent believe that this was going to work. But it's like these little wins, these little non-scale victories, these, these little moments of, of proof of evidence have come along the way. And once you get enough of those, I finally feel like this, this last bit of the weight has been released because it's like, this is going to work. I don't and have I feel to. Like it's, it's so, I'm very similar to you, April, where I'm, I don't consider myself a religious person, but I've become way more spiritual in a way where I, I'm really firm believer, especially after really diligently putting in a lot of mindset work, doing lots of journaling, doing lots of affirmations. I really truly believe that we can manifest our future in any way. Like if you can envision it and see it and know that it's going to happen, you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite sayings is what is meant for you will not pass you because what, what's meant for you will, will happen. And um, like even just becoming a registered dietitian, that will always be one of my biggest victories. Me, I was over 200 pounds at the time I was 10 years old. I was morbidly obese from the time I was a little, little kid. And I never in a million years would have thought I would have become a registered dietitian. And a lot of people don't know, but I started my journey to being a dietitian before I had weight loss surgery. And it was really difficult being in a small all girls college that I went to, um, where everyone in my class was definitely a more stereotypical thin dietitian. And I will also say many dietitians have struggled with their weight or eating in many ways, which is also why they go into this. Like we're not that different than them, even if we think we are. Um, but it was really hard <laughs> and it was really hard being the dietetic intern, being in the ICU of a hospital, being almost 300 pounds and going up to the, the residents to talk to them about a patient. And they're like, you're the dietitian. Like there was judgment, but the fact that I did it and I did something as hard as my schooling to be a dietitian, to help other people, like that is something like once I did that, I was like, I can do whatever I put my mind to. And then I did weight loss surgery. I'm like, I can do whatever I put my mind to. 
And then I said, you know what? I want to start a business and like run the show myself. And that was really, really scary. But I'm like, you know what? I did these other things. I can do this too. And I've started to realize that if we can believe what, whether we believe we can or we can't, we're right. So you have to believe that you can do it. Because if you don't believe that you can do it, you can't do it. And that's something I tell my clients too, because in my programs, like it's nutrition, but it's also me as like your bariatric coach as well. And I'm like, listen, I can cheer you on all day and I can believe in you, but if you don't believe in you, it's not going to work. And eventually you're not going to have me at your disposal every day to be cheering you on. I mean, I'll always be there for them, but my job is to get you to be your own hype woman, to get yourself in a place where you're feeling like you are confident enough to do it because that will take you further than any mm-hmm. meal plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why uh, when people come to me and they ask for meal plans, I say no. Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. what I'm giving you. I don't do meal plans. I'll just put that out there. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if you saw, but I keep looking down. I'm yeah, not ignoring I, you. I literally, I've got like, I'm taking, notes. Uh, I'm taking no, I mean, this is not my notebook that I normally write in for these types of notes, but I'm like, shit, I don't, I'm there's nothing around me. Later. Oh my God. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, this conversation, and I know Jason feels the same way. Well, I won't put words in your mouth, friend, but I, I just, I'm so, these conversations really just, I mean, I always say like, home. that's the nail, they hit home, but it's like, that's the last nail in the coffin, not in the bad sense, but it's like, oh, these conversations just reinforce the work that we have been doing, what we are trying to do for this community. It reinforces the decisions that we've made in our own personal lives. I mean, it's like, okay, we are on the right track, right? We, we are not to the final destination, but these conversations are check-ins along the road to go, okay, nope, I, I am, and, I'm still heading in the right direction. And I think it, it kind of to come full circle what we were talking about in the beginning, where I was talking about the fact that I'm not at my lowest rate and that's okay. Mm-hmm. The number on the scale can't do any of this for us. Like the number on the mm-hmm. scale does not, like, yes, it's satisfying to see the number go down. I'm not saying that that's not a factor in this journey. It absolutely is. We're all here for weight loss and to maintain our weight loss. But seeing the number on the scale does not give me the same thriller excitement, even when I was at my lowest, as being able to do those wall walks where the other day, yeah, or yes. knowing that like I've been able to help someone else on their journey because of my credentials and the things I'm able to do. And those are the things that really, really matter or being able, like I will never take for granted being able to walk into any store and pick up any size on the rack and be able to fit into, like not have to order plus size clothing online. <laughs> um, like that's, that to me is just, that means so much more to me than what the number says. It's such a struggle to get people to adjust from that scale mindset because some like I'm still to this day, I'll tell you right now, April say I'm a daily wearer. I weigh every damn day, no matter good, bad, or ugly what it says. I just do. That's just what I but I don't let it control the rest of my day like it used to or control my life. But mm-hmm. there's so many people out there that get so bogged down by what the what the number on the scale says. And those are the people that we have to tell, like, you've got to step off of the scale for a while. You've got to put it up, put it in the closet, put it somewhere where you're not going to see I said, it. So you don't posts- have to worry about it every day because there are, like, there was a there was somebody that I had spoken to here recently that was like, well, you know, I'm so far out. I've only lost this much. And, you know, some of the non-scale victories are I can kind of do this, this, and this now. But the scale says this, am I done? Is it over for me? And I'm like, but you have to give yourself credit for 
the fact that you lost this much. You've got to give yourself credit for these non-scale victories because they're huge in comparison to what you used to be able to do. So those are what you've got to focus on right now. Put the scale away. Let's concern ourselves with the things that you're able to do now and, you know, celebrate those wins. We'll get back to the scale later. And if it's, it's so important. And, and if you want, I can speak to this in terms of metabolic health and the scale in relation to that, because what I was saying at the beginning of this is your lowest weight is not always your most healthful weight. And I don't know if you want to hear, like, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on your show before, like why most people don't stay at their lowest. Is that something that? Well, we, I, I guess we, we've explored it from, from just the understanding of like, you know, your, your body weight is not necessarily your, your body's happy weight is not necessarily the weight that's up here in your brain. And you might need to do some very unhealthy things to actually live at your lowest weight. Right. Exactly. And, and if your goal is health, then that might not, those two numbers might not match. So most people, not everyone, but most people hit their lowest weight within the first 18 months after surgery. That does not mean like you're watching this and you're two or three years out and you have goals. I'm not telling you, you can't hit them. I'm just saying the majority will hit their lowest weight within the first 18 months or so. And let's think about it. Like I know for myself, I hit my lowest weight at like 10 or 11 months post-op. And at that time, I was genuinely eating three to four ounces of food at a time. And as time went on, I'm able to comfortably eat. And I, I don't say this for comparison, everyone eats different amounts, but I typically will eat between six and eight ounces. Most meals, sometimes more, sometimes less depends. I always listen to my body, but eight ounces compared to four ounces is double the amount of food, but mm-hmm. I need that to be healthy. So what usually happens stereotypically, um, not stereotypically, uh, statistically is what I meant to say is if you're looking at like a graph, like you will lose weight like pretty steadily in the first 18 months Mm -hmm. and then you'll get to your lowest. And then usually there's a little bit of rebound Mm -hmm. and then you usually level off. And that little bit up is what set people into a panic, myself included. I documented like this last year, I relatively quickly put 10 pounds on. It was after CrossFit. And I finally realized like a lot of this is muscle related. Um, but that does not mean that you are bad. And the thing is, having a high protein diet, working out and having muscle tone on your body, although you might weigh more on the scale is better for metabolic health. When you have more muscle tone on your body, it is more metabolically active, which means you're having more muscle tone means that your body burns more calories at rest. So your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, the calories you burn, Basically your BMR is the calories you burn just by like laying in bed, sleeping, like literally doing Mm -hmm. nothing, but like breathing, Mm -hmm. um, that number, you're going to burn more calories at rest. If you have more muscle on your body and muscle doesn't necessarily weigh more than fat, but it's more dense. So if you put five pounds of muscle on, on the scale, you're like, oh my God, I gained five pounds, but you're burning more calories than you were before, which means that you can eat more and still burn more. Um, and that's something that I've actually been deliberately doing at this point to build up my BMR, because what'll happen is if you never build it up, it's like, okay, well now I want to hit this weight loss. Well, I got to eat even less now. Mm -hmm. And then you have low muscle tone. You're not as metabolically active. And having higher muscle tone on your body is better for weight maintenance and long-term weight loss and longevity longevity. Yeah. And because you want to be able to burn more calories at rest and be able to eat a more sustainable diet versus just your four ounces of food. Um, and it also changes your 
body composition, which is one of the reasons I think I feel more confident because I've put on, I think I told you I'm about on any given day, I'm between 15 to like 18 pounds from my lowest. And I'm about 10 pounds from where I maintained for a long time. Um, I'm in the same size jeans with 20 pounds more on my body, the same size jeans mm-hmm. and my clothes from before I, I did have loose skin removal. I will say that, but that doesn't, that's not even really playing a role into this. It's more so that my clothes just fit me better and differently, not just in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And that is a true indicator that it's not that I've replaced 20 pounds of fat. I've got more muscle. The other thing is if you're someone I know, Jason, you said you like to weigh yourself most days. And if you're someone that that doesn't become obsessive, but it keeps you on track. I think that that can be a good tool as long as it doesn't deter you. But I would really recommend um, a scale that gives you more than just your weight reading. Yeah. I, I recently purchased, mm-hmm. it was only $30 on Amazon, the Renfo scale. Oh yeah. And what it does is it calculates your, like everything. It has your weight, your BMI, which through the BMI, but it has mm. your muscle tone, your fat mass, water mass. And do you want know wild? Like I look at it and it tells you like in red is like the unhealthy range green is healthy and dark green is athlete. When I look at it, my weight and my BMI are in the red range, right? They are the like, no, like danger zone, like you're too heavy type range. When you look at the other numbers though, my muscle mass is in the athlete range right now. And my fat mass is in the green healthy range. Like mm-hmm. I have healthy fat mass. I'm like, what is this world? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I could get really upset that I'm up from my lowest weight, but I'm so yeah. much more healthy now. And I feel it in my day-to-day life. I can move better. I'm crushing my goals at the gym. I feel better in my clothes. I'm in the same size, size clothing as before. So that this is a question I keep asking everyone online. Like, does it really, and I, I ask it genuinely, but like, does it really matter what the number is? And yeah. if you are accomplishing all these things and feeling good in your skin and moving well and eating well and doing everything within your power of control to be a healthy person is five pounds really going to make you that much happier well and that's what i was trying to explain to the person i was talking to because she's like she's all doing like four different exercise programs and doing all this body weight exercise stuff and i'm like just because the scale's not changing does not mean your body's not changing and measurements and all the things that you had before are only going to serve to show you that your body is still changing. Like just yeah. because the scale does not move and you're in some, you know, whatever months or weeks stall that you've put yourself in, yeah. you know, uh, your mindset in, I should say, is that, you know, that does not mean that there's still not changes happening for you. And I think it's also really important to remember that size and health look different on every person. So you can be the same height, same weight, eat the same diet, do the same workout routine, and you're going to still look totally different. And, um, and and someone reached out to me on on Instagram, because I was talking about this over the weekend. Basically, I was saying I I got a new pair of jeans for the first time since pre quarantine and Mm. since my tummy tuck. And I was wearing like a size six typically before that. And I thought in my head, like going shopping this last week, I'm like, there's no way I'm still going to be a size six because like, and even though the sixes I have at home fit, but there's no way I'm still going to fit into that size because I've gained like 15 pounds ish since last time I went shopping for jeans (laughs) and the same size fit. Like it's, it's not like I've changed sizes. And I was talking about this on Instagram and, um, I said, like, I'm 5'4 and I'm 175 pounds right now. And I got a ton of messages of 
you're 175 pounds. I wouldn't have guessed you were 175 pounds or, oh, uh-huh. like I'm the same height and weight and I wear a size 12 and you wear a size six. And I'm like, that's because it looks different on every person. And it's not, yeah. and one is not better than the other. And it's not about the size of the jeans. It's not about the number on the scale. Again, it's about your overall health and how you feel. But it mm-hmm. also goes to show you that we, we all just wear it differently. And it yes. goes back to body composition and metabolic health. And I'm never offended when people are like, oh my God, you weigh that much? And I'm like, I weigh that much. <laughs> like, but I think also sometimes people will look at other people on Instagram and be like, oh, like she looks like she's got it all together. I want to look like her. And it's like, no, you got to work on looking like you. You got to work on your goals. And it's not about what I weigh or what my size is. It's about what's good for, for you. And you, and so I, I think people look at others as if it's like an unrealistic, like thing that they can't achieve. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like look at Jamie going across it. She's got to be X amount of weight. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm 175 to 180 pounds. People are like, what? Yeah. Like, and it's like, does the number really matter? It, it, no. It's why like I throw it around so loosely. Like, I don't, I don't really care. Um, yes. I'm not almost well, 300 pounds anymore. I don't care. <laughs> well, and again, you're, you're, you're able to do what you want to do. You feel fantastic. You recognize yourself. There's all these under indicators and you're metabolically well, which should be the whole goal to this experiment. We want to live our healthiest lives for the longest that we can and have the, the, the mobility that we want for as long as we can. That's the goal. And no, those three things are not indicated by a number on the scale. Right. And there's so many other ways just to measure health too. Like so many people yeah. I've talked to have come off of their diabetes medication or off their yes. high blood pressure medication or yes. cholesterol medication. And their hemoglobin A1C is back in a normal range and they're no longer diabetic or pre-diabetic. Yeah. And these things matter so much more than just the number on the scale. And when people come to me and they're like, well, my, my surgeon has this goal weight for me. And I'm like, is that your goal weight for you? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want, like, do you want to weigh that much? Is that what's no. going to make you happy? Or are you doing it to please someone else? Um, and that's where like, I base everything I off, I, everything I do off of the wellness wheel. So the wellness wheel is basically, um, has like eight different components. I can, um, I had it up on my page as like a freebie for April. If you want, I can send it to you, but yeah, basically please. it's, um, has eight different components of overall health and wellness, nutrition and physical fitness are only two aspects of the eight. We have emotional health, mm. social health. We have occupational health, spiritual mm. health. And if doing a strict diet or being in this crazy exercise regimen compromises your emotional, spiritual, or social health, are you really being healthy? And it's like, how do we find balance in all areas so that you have a healthy life in a more holistic sense than health is in a number because health is not in a number. Success is not in a number. And that's actually, I'm doing, um, I'm actually doing a free bariatric webinar at the end of the month, which I can give info on too. I don't even know if I mentioned that before, but um, that's what my entire webinar is on is that success does not come in numbers. Success does not come in the number on the scale. It does not come in the ounces of food that you eat or your clothes size. It comes in other areas. And it, especially when it comes to figuring out like the I'm mostly talking about the portion sizes in this webinar, because again, the judgment, like I'm, I can't be successful if I'm eating 12 ounces of food. It's like, no, but you can. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite examples of this is one of my one-on-one clients who was super committed. She ended up working with me for over nine months, one-on-one. And when she came to me, she wasn't sure if she was going to have weight loss surgery or not. She was on the fence. She qualified, but wasn't quite sure. She ended up not having weight loss surgery. That was fine. I still supported her and we worked together. And guess what? She used the same bariatric meal plate method that I use for all my clients, which it, it, I, I teach you how to 
figure out what's best for you. And for her portions, not having weight loss surgery, she needed 16 to 20 ounces of food at each meal. So guess what? We made her meals 16 to 20 ounces of food at each meal. And guess what? She lost 50 pounds during our time together, not wow. having weight loss surgery. It's not about the quantity of your plate. It's about the quality of them. And yeah. that's what I want people to shift to is how do we make this a better quality food or a better quality plate for you and your goals and stop obsessing about the fact that you've gone over four ounces. Oh my gosh. Okay. My brain, I, I am, I'm, yeah, I'm I could talk all day. Dude, I am just, I am so, yeah, uh, so inspired, so uplifted, so recommitted to the work that we have all been doing. And it's just so powerful because we all know, we all know what this feels like because we're all living it. And it's not something that we're like done living. It's something that we're continually refining. There's no finish line. And that's, oh. I think sometimes the hardest thing to accept, but also the most inspiring part of this is there is no finish line. There is no end yeah. journey. And just because you hit a goal on the scale or just because you hit yeah. whatever goal, like it doesn't just end. It's not like, okay, no. it's always like, okay, now what? We should no. always be evolve evolving and changing and improving. Yeah. And I know for myself anyways, I always need some kind of goal. Yep. Well, and I think something that's to reach for. And that's what, at first I was very disheartened by that. It's like, oh my God, this is never going to end. But the longer that I get into this, it's like, it's never going to end because there's always something new to learn. There's always something new that I can, that I can tweak or strive for. And I know that by, by constantly doing that work, I'm becoming the best version of myself. And I, it's, it's just exciting, right? You can make that mind shift between, oh, this is not what I thought to, but, but this is exactly what I wanted. This, this is me figuring out how to live my best life. And it's a joy now, whereas before mm -hmm. it was, it, it really felt like a burden. So yeah, and now, it, it, yeah. No, right? I'm going to keep talking. No, yeah. No. <laughs> Very good. If people want to learn more about this tribe that you have created, if they want to utilize you as a resource, how can they, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more? Sure. So just to back up, I I've mentioned throughout our talk, like my clients, I do have one-on-one -on -one and group services. I will say I am fully booked for both of those right now. So my other program is called the tribe membership. It stands for the real insights of bariatric eating. It is a membership program where you pay a monthly subscription fee. And honestly, like you get access to, to everything. You get access to my whole web portal, which on my website, it has modules. So I teach you in the program, the exact same things I teach my one-on-one -on -one clients about how to figure out your portion sizes, how to build bariatric plates based on where you are in the journey. We go over, I have in my core values videos, which is essentially like my main um, like education part of the program. There's 14 videos that take you through with workbooks to go along with it. Then every single month we come out with a new topic where I give a new video, new module, new workbook, new things to discuss. Every month we have recipes, meal ideas. We also have three personal trainers, all who had surgery. So Nicole, Debbie, and Kylie, you can find them on Instagram also. They give out virtual workout videos every month. So every single month you get 12 to 15 new workouts. We wow. also have... Um, I should also say everyone who's a part of the tribe as one of our leaders has all had weight loss surgery, myself, the trainers included. I have two VIP um, members, uh, Melanie and Marissa. They used to be one-on-one -on -one clients of mine, and now they help people also. Um, they do accountability coaching. They do check-ins with people. We also have a live um, guest expert call each week or each month. So once a month, we have a guest expert talking about the topic. 
we have a live Q&A each month, which means I will sit down just like this and answer all of your questions based on where you are in the modules. And then the best part about the program is you get access to all of our live support groups. And right now we have more than seven monthly live support groups each month. We have two regain support groups. We have a beginner support group. So this program is really catered to anyone in the weight loss surgery journey. So we have a lot of people with regain. So we have two regain groups. Um, We have a beginner group. So if you are pre-op or newly post-op within the first year, there is tons of support for you there too. We have um, a mommy support group for all the bariatric moms with little kids at home. We have a boss babe support group for really busy, like working girls who are just trying to balance it all. We have an emotional eating support group, which right now Haley, the guacward dietitian, um, is the oh, yeah. she, she runs our emotional eating. Um, very soon we will also be having a therapist coming on board who had weight loss surgery to lead emotional eating and body dysmorphia support groups. And we have, um, us, we have like what we call our monthly coffee date. So we have a one time a month, Saturday morning support group for anyone who wants to come. Reason we added that one is to just accommodate more schedules. So there are over seven support groups, live events, all the information you could need. And the biggest piece of this is I get feedback quite often. So I'm like, guys, what do you want us to talk about? And then based on that topic, that's where I put materials out. So this month we're talking about um, March's National Nutrition Month. We're talking about vitamins and water intake. We have Selena from Celebrate Bariatric Vitamins coming to talk to us. Next month is all about fueling for workouts. So if you are at a place in your journey where you're trying to build more muscle, we're actually talking all about that next month. Um, in June, we're talking about bariatric pregnancies. And if you are trying to have, get pregnant on this journey, how to navigate that. So we talk about really insightful things in the weight loss community. So if you are someone who needs help, support, guidance, is feeling lost on your journey, needs the support, needs the information and needs some in-depth nutrition information, please know it's here. (laughs) I created this because I wanted a one-stop shop type of thing for all Mm -hmm. things bariatric related Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to go on this scavenger hunt trying to figure out what to do. And since I've been through it and I have the credentials to do it, I want to teach you how to properly feel yourself and how to eat after surgery. It really sounds like a phenomenal resource. I mean, you, you really have looked at all of the different facets, uh, you know, all the different things that we need to do to find success after surgery and, and put them, like you said, all in one place. So if Mm -hmm. there's something that you're struggling with, you're going to be able to find very targeted support in, in your tribe. So that's amazing. Absolutely, So much support. You also get access. There's also, it's not through Facebook, it's through its own portal, but you have access to the website. And then if you click the community button, it's set up very similarly, similarly to a Facebook forum. So you can chat, chat in there. I come in and answer all your questions, post like whatever you want. And it's just a lot, a lot of support. Um, And for anyone watching this or for anyone who goes back and listens to it later, I do have a discount code just for East to West coast weight loss surgery meetups. We have, um, the, I'll give you, do you want me to say the code or do you want to oh, yeah. post it after? Oh, I, um, I will post it. Yeah. So just so if you're watching east, and following, yeah, it, it's it east to west 15. Um, so for $15 off your first month. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. That was a very nice surprise when we first started talking today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I could sit here and just talk all day. Oh, no. It, I mean, based on my notes, yeah, we, we could probably talk for months. So it's, it's all good. <laughs> well, if we need to reconvene and do this again, you just let me know. Yeah, uh, nice. that's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Well, we, we just, we so appreciate your time. We know that you are an expert in, in all things diet, you know, diet related, but we also very much appreciate your, your honesty and, and, and just your sharing your personal experience as a bariatric patient. Those two Thank things you. combined makes you 
quite a powerhouse. So I will make sure that I link your website. And, and again, you guys follow her on Instagram. She's at the sleeved dietitian. I'll make sure that I link that in our notes as well. So follow her on Instagram. She's got links there in her bio to, to the tribe, to her website, to all of that, that, that good stuff. So please absolutely take advantage of this amazing resource that exists in our community. And, and I really, just... I really do pride myself on being a resource. I want, when people are like, Hmm, I wonder if this is true or not, or I wonder what this is like, I want you to come to me. And even if it takes me a while, I genuinely answer all my DMS. Sometimes it'll take me a few days, but I will answer. And I, even if I don't have the answer, I will point you in the right direction. I don't want anyone going, <laughs> trying to find like bogus nutrition info. I would so much rather you just ask me. Yeah, we, we believe it. We, we, we are very much in alignment when it comes to our mission and vision, right? People yeah. at, reach out to us all the time for resources. And if we don't, if we don't have the answer, then we will connect you with somebody that does have the answer. Mm -hmm. That's the goal, Absolutely. right? We don't want to recreate the wheel. We just want to get people to, to, to the support that they need in the most efficient mm -hmm. way possible. That is absolutely, that's the goal. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Jamie, again, thank you so much for joining us today. We know your time. Thank you is for valuable. having me. Oh, this was phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, Jason, you want to take us out my friend? Yes, Jamie, once again, thank you so much. Uh, this, this was an amazing talk and I believe this will connect with all of our listeners on a level that they've yet to probably connect with all of us as a whole, because there was, mm -hmm. there was untapped resources from all three of us in this conversation, which doesn't happen mm -hmm. very often. So that's, no, that, that was, amazing. it was really great. We thank appreciate you so that. much. And uh, we appreciate everybody for uh, following us along, getting us where we are uh, now, because we couldn't do what we're doing without you guys, you know, helping us. Because you, we say this all the time, you guys help us as much as we could possibly help you. Mm -hmm. You keep us, you know, striving for, you know, the support that we offer you. So we thank you so much for that. And uh, just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 -bye.